Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Wake up! With your chance to sound off, give your opinion, and tell us your thoughts. It's on. It's now. It's here. It's the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890. 92.5. KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Welcome to the program. I'm Andy. Thanks for tuning in today. It's so good to be here. The sun is shining. We There are rumors. Mind you, they're just rumors. But there are rumors that we're going to hit 70 degrees by Friday or Saturday this week. So how cool is that or how warm is that, I should say. It's 909 on KDXU. I'm Andy. I have a special guest today. His name is David, Dr. David Blodgett. Uh, Dr. Blodgett, how are you? Good. Good to be here, Andy. I believe, if memory serves, this is the first time you've ever been here on a Monday. Uh, it is, as far as I know. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Blodgett usually comes the first Wednesday of every month. Uh, we had, uh, the, they were installing this new technology here in the studio on last Wednesday, and so uh, you were gracious enough to uh, move your appearance uh, back a few days, and I appreciate that. Well, it's good. Thank you. You, uh, you know, when when you first got here, we we were chatting and talking about how the the health, um, not industry, but the health leadership uh, has taken a beating in in all this, uh, and and that's one of the frustrations. I, I mean, who's going to ever believe the WHO again, or the CDC, or or whoever at this point, uh, and, and and some of the fallout from COVID. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I worry that the one of the big consequences of this is uh my profession has been hijacked and um, mm. and it's been politicized and uh, I don't I don't know. Um so a big part we've talked about that of what I've tried to do is maintain a, a reasonable voice <laughs> in all the chaos but um Yeah. But I think it's, you know, billions of news articles have been created about this and uh, everybody's an expert now. And yet <clears throat> nobody's an expert on anything simply because there's just so much conflict and disagreement. I think you're, and, uh, I think um, you're not exaggerating either. Billions of articles, yeah, literally billions yeah, of articles. Billions about and billions. I mean, in the entire, say, HIV epidemic, there were, I think, 15 or 20 million articles created, hmm. uh, but they're literally are in the billions of news articles. It's just too, um, uh, it was, it, it brought such a heightened response and a lot of clickbait out there. And, uh, yeah. it's, uh, you know, the, the opinions are all over the place. And the reality is, uh, I think we're, we're less certain about <laughs> where we should have been on all this than we've ever been. And, uh, really difficult to, to know how to navigate some of these waters for people. Is there anything we could have done differently as far as your industry is concerned in trying to keep an even keel? I, I, I just think, you know, Dr. Fauci, uh, you know, in the evolving science of it all, he, he's made out to be a villain. And he certainly said some things and people are going back on it. But that's the way uh, a disease evolves. And I know there are a lot of people who who really are angry at that one particular man, but could things have been different had we had a different leader, maybe? Yeah, well, I I think where it went wrong is politics got involved, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we just don't do this. We've never done anything like shut society down for a disease. We've Even in the plans that we had created, you know, statewide, our statewide pandemic plans, they said things like, well, if you hit... One percent of the population dying in in a short period of time, then maybe you would have a you would stop mass gatherings for two weeks, right? But none of it was ever more than two weeks, and it was never this wide scale shutting down of everything. I mean, this was all 
new territory and a flexing of of uh, of government that we've we've just never done. And it 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 I don't I think for some that that's what they felt was necessary, but for others it felt like really an overreach. And I you know mm. it, none of it was moderate, right? It was all yeah. on one side or the other, and I think that created an even more division in a society that's already divided. And so. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't know how you, you get, I mean, if you compare the, the H1N1 pandemic in 2010, I was around for that as well. We talked about it for a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months, um, had people understand what it was all about, but it was all in the recommendation category, right? Very little shutdown. I think there was one school district that didn't have school when they had a few cases in there north, but it was... It was Park City, but uh, but none of it herald. None of it was kind of an indicator of this. You know, we're gonna we're gonna try and eradicate of highly communicable <laughs> upper yeah. respiratory tract infection hmm. uh, by essentially you know destroying our society. That 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 just that just there was no precedence for that, and 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 I don't know that. Uh, I it will be interesting to see what the verdict of history is to whether or not that was worth it or not. But, uh, yeah, look back in twenty or thirty or fifty years, although you and I may not be around then, but uh, yeah, and see what history says about what we've done. Uh, how much of it, in your mind, was fear and paranoia driven versus just the political machine? Uh, were there some of the leaders who? I mean, you mentioned the overreach and and and. You know, they, the, how they felt about things was some of it, though, fear driven, like germaphobe type fear driven. Yeah, well, certainly. I mean, and I think it had something to do with some people have a different to- tolerance for risk than others. Right. Mm-hmm. And and, um, mm-hmm. and I think if you play sometimes those those fears uh, are allowed to prevail and sometimes they're not. And uh, in this case. We certainly ran on the worst case scenario situation the yes, whole time did. through the pandemic. And none of this says that it wasn't, it's not a real disease and that people died and all of that. It's just trying to have a, a discussion. So, you know, this is public health. And the public part of it is how do we come to a, a, re, a, a, a line or an area where people are comfortable with, with what we've decided to do and not. Um, not try and cater to one group over another. I mean, it is a. I, I even take exception with some of the people in my field that say that there's no role for anything in public health, but but science. Well, the reality is the interpretation of the science is where the public and the, mm. and the policy comes in, right? And That's that next the, step. Yeah. You know, here's a quarter percent fatal disease that we've been dealing with. What does that mean for society? And that is that is not science. That's that's politics and. Um, and we've <laughs> made some interesting correlations by where if you're the scientist and you say it, that must be science. That's just <laughs> simply not true. It's, it's, um, there, there is a, a political or a societal determination on how we deal with all of this. Right. And so, um, anyway, it, it, it seems like one of the problems was, uh, you know, I, I know several epidemiologists. That's what they do for a living. And, and their job in their minds is to lay out the worst case scenario, it seems like. And I've had them on this show and they said, well, if this progresses like, like it can, this will happen. 
Uh, and so people hear that and they go, okay, that's going to happen. Yeah. They, they don't say this might happen. They say this is going to happen. And then all of a sudden you have a panic and, and that seems to be maybe part yeah. of the problem too. Yeah, I think so. And, and so, you know, a, a good epidemiologist will admit that, yeah, the models are always wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're all wrong, and yeah, and I probably said this earlier. The models are always wrong, but sometimes some are useful, you know. And yeah. So, um, but the models were incredibly wrong in this scenario, and so, um, you know, we ended up, you know, the the pandemic of nineteen eighteen to give you a, a little bit of a contrast um, in one season, one 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 over winter season. Uh, 1918, uh, 1919, we had 3% of the population die. Wow. 3%. So we're at about, what, 0. 0.1, 0.2% of the population? So 3% of the country or the world? Of the world. Of the world. But wow. of our population, too. So as a 30 million population, <clears throat> 600,000 people died in one season, right? Mm -hmm. Now we're at... What eight hundred thousand in over three seasons, right? And um, in a population of three hundred and thirty million, just a very very different dynamic than we were facing there. So that disease probably was in the ten percent, fifteen percent fatal for the whole population, and um, overall, so maybe even higher in, in the elderly and the young, and, and just a diff, just a very different uh, scenario, and yet. Um, society went on right <laughs> we didn't uh, we didn't kill society over that it was it was just a different different age and a different tolerance for risk and a different discussion level uh, for politics and um, just uh, you know I, I, I think we learned a lot about where society's at and, and the divide and, and you know the, the the lapse of civility and the I'm right, you're wrong, and you're an idiot if you don't believe what I believe kinds of stuff that happened. And so, There's a lot of that, yeah. In fact, I get this on, that on this show every Friday. <laughs> you're wrong and you're an idiot uh, kind of thing, but that's okay. Well, what I find even stranger is whichever side you're on, you believe that about the other side, but not your own side. And so right. there's yeah. very little uh, introspection that happens in the process, and, and I'm sure that'll get people upset. But anyway. what? One of the, the, I guess, fallout, I guess, from, from all this, and we're not saying, you know, COVID is over, over, but no. it's, it's certainly on the, on the decrease. But one of the, the fallout, you were telling me about uh, vaccinations taking a pretty, pretty big hit. And we're not talking about vaccination for COVID. We're talking about vaccination in general. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, one of the, if, if we extrapolate how people feel about this into the rest of public health, there have been efforts, you know, nationwide, for example, to gut out the childhood immunization programs and to... Um, and, and we're not talking about, again, COVID. We're talking about measles, mumps, yeah. rubella, diphtheria, tetanus, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, you take a disease like, like measles, for example, that killed 5,000 kids under the age of five every year every in the United year. States for, you know from the beginning of time, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it, it's a ever present disease or, or whooping cough, which, you know, several hundred thousand kids would get every year and, and probably 10 or 15,000, you know, just diphtheria, some of these, you know, these diseases that, you know, that, that are gone. It. So, you know, life expectancy in the United States was 45, yeah. you know, up until 
the early 1900s because we had all of these childhood diseases that would take kids at, a, at an alarming rate, right? Mm-hmm. One in eight women, for, you know, died in childbirth, you know, and so that was a, an antibiotic phenomenon. And so, so there's these things that have happened in modern medicine and understanding of infectious diseases that have really extended the life, lifespan of people and, and, you know, vaccines have always been the, the most cost-effective safest best way to bring down the mortality for for a, an infectious disease like that and yet now uh we've you know the the rhetoric around oh everybody has to get vaccinated and mandates and things like that i think might might create an environment in which people reject all vaccines uh, even Rebella, though they've done so much to help society rubella could be back or diphtheria yeah. or all those things that we thought were kind of gone or yeah. gone-ish I mean, diphtheria, (laughs) when you'd have a big outbreak of diphtheria, people would live in terror of that, you know? Mm -hmm. Here's a disease that basically creates a coating in the the lining of your your throat, and and so you you slowly strangle to death, you know, over a couple-week period of time. (laughs) It's just just terrific stuff. Sounds awful, yeah. (laughs) And yet yet people... I, I. the, the history of vaccination is a history of success, and it's actually been a success in COVID, too, uh, in protecting those that are most at risk. Where, where it's gone wrong is the politics of, well, we're going to force people to do that, and that never should be that way. You, people should be allowed to make choices in their lives. And, and I think we, uh, the larger public health establishment, blew it, but that's just my opinion. We're talking with Dr. David Blodgett, head of the Southwest Utah Public Health Department. Let's take a couple of calls. Uh, thanks for hanging on. The phone lines are jammed up, so keep it brief if you can. What's on your mind today? Good morning. Good morning, Andy. Good morning, Dr. Blodgett. Uh, for, first of all, I'd like to say I think Andy has a superpower where he can read his audience's mind because I got up this morning, put on my cup of coffee, looked over at my COVID-19 test, and I said, God, I hope he has Dr. Blodgett on soon so I can ask him a question. <laughs> I turn on the radio, and guess who's on? There he is. Yay. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I have a question. Um, I'm looking at two. Well, first of all, I heard the news report where the state is stopping the quick tests on the uh, um, COVID-19 tests um, because they were 62% uh, wrong or something. False negatives, and, yeah. Right, false negatives. And I'm wondering, the one that the government is sending out, Access Bio, COVID-19, they're considered the same thing, right, a quick test? And do you think there is uh, unreliable? I mean, 400 million of them they bought. So I'm just wondering. Yeah, so it's a certain brand name um, that you need to worry about. I'm just seeing if I can. uh... Yeah, this is Access Bio. Yeah, so that one's fine. It's, It's Gen Body. Is, oh, okay. the, is the is the brand name that's the problem that they're pulling? So they're not. I hope they're not pulling all all of those because they they actually like the. I mean, we've been using the the several of these brands for a long time, and they've done really well. It's just this new one, Brent Gen Body, that's on the market that's been causing problems. So, hmm. okay. so if you have the others, they'll be fine. Okay, thank you, Doctor. And thank you, yeah. Andy. And uh, you're kind of spooky now with that superpower. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I appreciate it. Like Raider O'Reilly, maybe uh, I can. I can no, I, I have no. I have no superpower. I don't know if if I could pick one. I don't know if that would be the one anyway. <laughs> well, it's not a bad one though. Uh, can me, can I make a fun. little bit of a comment about this though? I, yes, please do. 
You know, I think we're rapidly entering a time when, because uh, COVID is so ubiquitous with Omicron, and now there's this sub variant of Omicron. They, mm-hmm. They're calling it BA and B two B B B BA one and BA two is the second variant, which is supposed to be even more able to transmit. But I don't know how they could say that. It's just brand new out. But um, but I, I think the utility of lots of testing just to test to see if you have it is rapidly declining. And I, I think the message Good. needs to be, yeah. if you're sick, stay home, right? Whether it's COVID or flu or, you know, any not meta, human metanumovite. I mean, there's just all these upper respiratory tract infections that come around this time of year. And uh, the idea being, you know, if you're sick, stay home, right? Don't, don't, don't go out and expose it. Yeah. it to other other people. But <laughs> but whether or not you have COVID, the testing doesn't really change anything at this point, right? I mean, we know the numbers aren't very accurate because there's a lot of tests at home. Um, we just know it's out there, right? And so, you know, so that so the numbers we see spiked quickly with Omicron. Came they're coming back down just as quickly. But but in the end, that's not really the message that's important. It's it's that uh, if you're sick, stay home, and uh, if you are uh, and at high risk, still, you know, the the message is still, you know, vaccine is the single best way to avoid going in the hospital and getting sick. So when you look at the people in the hospital, they're still the people that uh, have made it this long without being vaccinated and not uh, having had COVID before, right? And so. So, um, so I, I hope we'll shift that a little bit, you know, I mean, this idea of running out and getting tested, I, I just don't think is as valuable, uh, as it might've been at other times. Um, but what is valuable is being aware of who you're around and, uh, and who you might expose that you don't want to be, you know, some of the conversations we've had about what's your plan, you know, what, what you want to do with this disease. And, and it's part of, uh, we, we, in, in schools, we used to call it respiratory etiquette, right? You sneeze into your elbow. You don't sneeze on other people. You know? Yeah. And uh, when you're sick, it's really common courtesy to others to stay home. And I and maybe part of the dialogue around this is that we can have discussions about, you know, people being allowed to stay home when they're sick, so they don't spread it to others. We've got this ethic where people should go to work no matter what, and sometimes yeah. it's not a necessary thing to say that uh, if we have an opportunity, you know. That, that there's, I think that message is actually much more effective than a lot of the other messages we've had, which have pushed people in the wrong direction, right? I mean, there's just recommendations and, hmm. and having people do things that, uh, you know, want to expose your 85 year old mother if you're feeling ill. And so in that case, maybe a test makes sense. But as far as just being on record as having COVID or not, it, it just doesn't mean that much anymore. So something right. to add to the conversation. Kind of an example. Of course, I was in the hospital last month. Uh, I had a non-contagious, I had some cellulitis and that led to sepsis. I was very sick, but uh, I felt compelled when I got back. I was just starting to really feel it, and I got back on a Wednesday from San Diego. I came in on Thursday and worked. Why? Uh, I felt like I had to. I felt like yeah. I, I needed to be here, and, and that's the kind of thinking that... <laughs> That needs to change. Uh, I should not have come into work. Now, I wasn't contagious, 
But I was sick. I was definitely already sick at that point when I felt like I got to be here. And I think, uh, I don't know a number percentage-wise, but I think there's a large percentage of, uh, of people that say, I've got to be at work. If I'm not at work, uh, if something bad's going to happen. I'm going to get fired. The, the Whatever I'm in charge of isn't going to work or whatever. That's the kind of thinking that you and I, Dave, grew up with. Yeah. Well, and I still struggle with it, you know, myself. Mm-hmm. But, so I don't know. Maybe you do go to work, but you... Tell people to stay away and close your door or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, but it's, um, you know, that, I mean, even through the middle of, of COVID, we, we had lots of people that called us, oh, this guy came to work sick. Well, you know, I mean, there's nothing we can do about that, number one. Number two, but number two is that's part of this etiquette of, you mm-hmm. know, you, you, nobody else wants your sickness. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. All right, let's go to the uh, line two. Uh, thanks for holding on. You're on with uh, Andy and Dr. Blodgett. How are you? Good morning. Morning. I, I just want to quickly follow up on that first question. Uh, I got a, a, a test uh, up at the uh, Dixie Tech place on the runway, and uh, I, w- I had uh, a cough and uh, kind of achy, and I live with somebody that's very, uh, has, you know, if they got it, they're not probably survive and uh, so what am i to take out of that if i walk away and forget it or what so you got a negative test is that right i got a negative test yeah okay have you been there with him in the home oh yeah he lives with me yeah so you probably already exposed him right <laughs> so so that's i mean i think you uh, my guess is that it wasn't the test that they're worried about um but it's hard to know if you're really worried about it, you could go and get a PCR test, which is what they're recommending in lieu of that. A, a piece, um, and where would that be? So that's the Test Utah site, or uh, um, SoftCell is doing PCR tests. Uh, the the IHC facilities have them in like the Instacares and things like that. Okay. Um, those are, but you know, those usually take a day to come back. So yeah. My my. So how long have you been sick? How long have you had symptoms? Well, I, it was about a week ago when I had the test uh, Friday. Right, so, has it gotten any better? Symptoms, yeah, my symptoms have, have got better. Yeah. So if your symptoms are better, you're you're past the. So people are most infectious probably for about twenty four hours before they start to have symptoms and two days after they start to have symptoms. Oh, okay. And then it drops off rapidly from there. With the CDC saying, you know, at five days after you start your symptoms, there's really not much chance you're going to spread it. So you're probably past your time. Uh-huh. And uh, if he hasn't picked it up, then you're probably doing well. Was he vaccinated as well? So. Uh, yes. Yeah, if he is, then I think you're fine. You're 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 in the clear now, and uh, we'll move on past that. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah thanks thank for the you. call. Appreciate Bye. it. It is, uh, let's see, 931. Got to get that weather break in. Talking with Dr. Blodgett today, uh, I actually uh, had a pet project I wanted him to work on, and we'll talk about it later on in the program. Uh, celiac. Have you ever heard of celiac? Most people have heard the name, but have no idea what it means, what it's about. Uh, recently, relatively recently, members of my family, in-laws of mine, have, uh, have con- well, I don't, know, I don't know if you contract it, but they have celiac disease. And uh, so we were going to get Dr. Blodgett to maybe talk a little bit about that uh, when we come back. And we'll continue with phone calls. And, uh, of course, we'll talk about the fallout. That's what I'm calling it now, the post-COVID fallout. Yeah. It's not over, but there's definitely fallout. Yeah, we'll see. 
We're interactive on The Andy Griffin Show. Call in, Call in at 673-5890 or text in at 435-467-5842. Let your voice be heard on The Andy Griffin Show. Welcome back. 936 on KDXU. A rare Monday sighting for that rare bird named Dr. Bloggs. <laughs> hey, thanks for coming in on rare a Monday. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, well, we had to postpone. He was supposed to, he was uh, scheduled for last Wednesday. We were getting our studio reconfigured here on KDXU. And then, like I said, Dr. Blodgett was gracious enough to say, well, how about we just come on another day? And, and here you are. Thank yeah, you for coming. That's great. It's a sleek new mixer board you have. Yeah, $7,000 worth of mixing board. <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm, somebody just texted and said, did Dr. Blodgett comment on uh, COVID cases trending down in 49 states as death toll nears 900,000? I, I don't know what you would comment on that. It, it's a news story on iHeart News. Any thoughts? Yeah, on so that? the the curve up and the curve down were very steep uh, for for uh, Omicron. So we ended up with in Salt Lake County, for example, four times the number of cases at the peak that we had during the peak of last winter during mm-hmm. uh, normal COVID, but uh, you know the the original version of COVID. Um, and so. If if Omicron was to be, um, uh, you know, if it was coupled, like, you know, you saw a certain percentage of everybody that got COVID ending up in the hospital, then you would have seen that peak of hospitalizations go up by four times as well. But, well, we didn't see that. It was about flat, right? So, hmm. so fortunately, um, the hospitalization rate was much lower on a per case kind of basis and uh but it, it still means the hospital was uh was full with, you, yeah, know, with, you know with lots yeah. of with lots of people with covid and so um that uh it so <laughs> so the uncoupling was fortunate yes, and we saw was. the hospitalization rate plummet and the death rate plummet but just when you have that sheer volume so now we're down um Almost three quarters of the way back down, we're down to the levels of just a little bit below where we were at the peak of last January um, for the cases that are being reported. Whether you know how accurate that number, like I said, is is uh, kind of up for debate, but it gives us a, a sense of, of where we are. Um, right, so nine hundred thousand <clears throat> um, uh, people were closing in on that number. That's three seasons now of COVID that we've been over. Um, the flu season so we always track flu on one season right so we we can see anywhere from 60,000 to 150,000 flu deaths a year right and so um you know as we uh, you know as you get uh, further into this i think we'll see those numbers on a seasonal basis be much 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 lower so our our numbers you know we had uh roughly 200, 250 in the first year, maybe another uh, 75 to 100 in the second year, and now we're into that kind of 50 to 60 range in this last year. So sounds like so, that's going down. So we're uh, <laughs> we're you know it, it, the, they they call it attenuation, where the disease gets less severe over time because it uh, learns how to deal with its host <laughs> and not kill it. Um, and that's kind of uh, what we would expect to see here as more Im- immune memory is built up, as more and more people have had it. 
that uh, biphasic nature of this disease where it's new to the system and the system overreacts and, you know, it's basically an immune overresponse that, that causes a lot of the trouble. All of that starts to, to moderate out, and, and uh, this, will, this will look a lot like the other four coronaviruses that we have circulating in the population. It's the common cold. But, uh, but we're, we're watching that transition in real time, and it's, um, it's from a virology standpoint, interesting, and uh, we're continuing to watch it. All right, we're going to leave COVID for a minute and talk a little bit about celiac. And uh, I don't know if it's celiac with an apostrophe S or just celiac or, or what it is, doctor, but uh, maybe if you can explain to people what that is. And I actually have a book in my house. My my wife bought it because her sister has celiac. And it's uh, the, I think it called it the, the quiet epidemic or the silent killer or the silent epidemic or something like that. Tell us what celiac is. Yeah, so celiac disease. Um is actually an autoimmune disease, so it fits in the same kind of range as um, type 1 diabetes or Hashimoto's mm-hmm. thyroiditis or uh, some more severe ones like MS and lupus and things like that, where different manifestations of the body's um, keying in on a part of the body to attack as part of the immune response. And so hmm. in this case... Uh, Primarily in the gut, but it can be in other parts of the body. Um, when you're eating gluten in wheat, uh, that causes your body to attack the lining of your gut. Wow. And uh, wipes uh, can and does often uh, wipe out the, the small microvilli in, in your intestine where, where you absorb your nutrients through. <clears throat> so it creates uh, some problems uh, with, with absorption of nutrients, but also does things that are pretty uh, significant. So you have, you know, cramping and bloating and yeah. diarrhea, you know, makes you, makes uh, you really sick. It makes you not <laughs> feel very good at all yeah. and can in the long term, um, you know, cause some pretty significant things like, um, there's even one sort, form of cancer that's associated with poorly controlled celiac disease. Hmm. Um, in different, it, it looks like it has a genetic component to it. So in some populations, it can be fairly common, as as common as one in forty. But that's pretty rare. There's some that are about one in uh, two thousand, and maybe somewhere in the one in one fifty to one in two hundred range in most of the population. If you took a look at it overall, but but there certainly is a genetic component to it. So you'll see it run in families. Um, so, you know, maybe a half a percent to 1% of the population overall. So that's pretty common, right, when you're talking about um, a disease like this. And so uh, it's something to watch and something to pay attention to. So if eating wheat uh, really causes difficulty for you, something to consider. Um, that's different than what a lot of other people uh, seem to be interested in, which is um uh, kind of an intolerance to wheat or wheat makes them feel a little sick or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so this true uh, celiac disease is, it's, it, you get testing for it. You can look for antibodies in the, in the blood that are uh, geared to, against uh, gluten. Uh, there's all, you could do biopsies, uh, you know, the lining of the gut and see if that's what's going on. Yeah, one, uh, one of my, I think my nephew is supposed to have a colonoscopy to help yeah. find out if he has it for sure or not. And uh, that would knows. be why, to right. do a biopsy. Right, they'll pull a, a sample of tissue out of there and see what's going on. Hmm. Um, 
so unpleasant and and then you know really no treatments right the treatment is to go on a completely gluten-free diet hmm. and uh when you think about the amount of foods in our diet that have wheat or rye or barley those are the primary three that have gluten that's a <laughs> that's a lot that's a that's a, that's a difficult uh prospect for a lot, for a lot of people but uh they'll feel a lot better and, and negate a lot of those long-term effects from what could happen from celiac disease. So, so, um, uh, you know, I, and you never know what your thing's going to be in life. We all have our, our stuff, right? right? And some end up in that category with celiacs and, uh, uh, I, you know, that hopefully there's ongoing research. Maybe there's things that can be discovered. A lot of progress being made in the autoimmune disease area. So I hope we see, um, something that will help here in the long term you made a a very uh uh, wise and philosophical uh comment there you never know what your thing's going to be uh (laughs) i you know as i get older i start to go okay uh so-and-so had cancer when she was 25 and -and so-and-so has you know whatever and for me i have this weird numb leg and i have a limp i didn't choose that no <laughs> and, and and to be quite honest, I don't think any of my behavior actually made it come about. It just happened. Yeah. And like you said, so everyone has their thing, and maybe you haven't discovered your thing yet. But you know, something something happens to all of us. I, you know, we often and this might be even a little controversial, but we often say, uh, you know, those that uh, have a handicapped child or a child who has some sort of learning disability or autism or whatever. Well, God chose the, those people to get those those kids because they could handle it. And my wife and I are like, well, we, we must not have been able to handle it because we didn't get one of those. Yeah. But, uh, well, yeah. I, I think it's probably a little more random than that. But uh, certainly th- those are things that, I mean, that was really wise what you said. You know, everybody has this little different thing. And I mean, I'm six foot five and weigh 330 pounds. You know, I, I didn't really choose. I certainly didn't choose my height. Uh, and yet there's somebody probably out there who's five foot one and weighs 120 pounds and wish they could have some of my height and weight. So right. it's just the way life is. I well, guess. yeah, sometimes you, the joke is you, you need to choose your parents better, but, um, <laughs> you know, for some of the things, but there are, you know, about 30% of diseases related to genetics yeah. and about, you know, the others, and that's even attenuated, but then there's always these diet and, you know, things that you can do to impact sure. on it. And, and so sometimes just understanding what it is you're dealing with helps you go a long way to figure out what you can do about it. Good so. point. Yeah, my my uh, sister-in-law has uh, uh, celiacs, and she has had to cut meat out of her diet. I'm not sure why meat, if that's a different thing, but she's obviously cut wheat out of her diet. And, uh, you know, she gets her protein from things like pe- uh, from beans or, mm. or, or peanuts or you know and, and things like that. And I think, oh, I couldn't live that way. But you know what? I, I'm sure she didn't choose yeah to do that <laughs> it just happened to her and now she has to choose to try to control it well and i and i think once you get used to it once you figure it out and it becomes a routine for you i think um it becomes part of your everyday routine and you you move on just like everything else right and so um maybe you didn't choose that to come to you but how you respond to it i think is is the measure of of who you are and, and, and rising to the occasion. I think that's part of the beauty of life is, um, is taking what comes and, 
and, and making the best of it. Yeah, not what happens to you, but how you react when it happens. Yeah. yeah. You know, what, what's the old saying? Yeah, nobody gets out of life without eating their peck of dirt. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Uh, hopefully you eat dirt when you're young, <laughs> not when you're our age. But uh, yeah. All right, uh, got to get another commercial break in. We're talking with Dr. David Blodgett today, uh, 947 on KDXU. Uh, let me thank Joe Shoney for sponsoring this program. Joe Shoney has been a loan consultant serving Southern Utah for two and a half decades. He's located right downtown at one, uh, let's see, I had the address a second ago. Now it's gone. Oh, it's right there downtown, uh, 162 East, uh, 162 South, 400 East, Building C, Suite 205, if you want all the details on that. Uh, but Joe Shoney has, I'm looking at this, the, the uh, reviews now. This is the reviews on pro.experience.com. Uh, he has over 600 and uh, it looks like 607, uh, yeah, 607 verified reviews. And his average score is 4.9 out of 5 stars. That is phenomenal stuff. That's because when you go to Joe Shoney, you don't just get a loan. You get a friend. You get somebody who's going to keep you apprised of what's going on and helps you all along the way. Lisa B., a five-star reviewer, said, Everyone we worked with was amazing, kind, efficient, and helpful. That's what you get with Joe Shoney. His phone number is 435-690-960. Let me try that again. 590-6300. I mean, one more time. 435-590-6300 for Joe Shoney, NMS 121041. Welcome back to the Andy Griffin Show with Dr. David Blodgett on today. Dr. Blodgett, how are you? Good. Doing all right? Good. You know, a few, it was probably two years ago before all this COVID madness started. Uh, you started, you, you talked a lot about the cycle uh, that, that is, makes health, uh, being healthy difficult. And I'm kind of, I found myself kind of in that cycle right now. And what's happened, I went to the hospital, obviously, but I had a kidney stone first. And then I went to the hospital with, with the problems I had there. Uh, in the process of that three, four plus month uh, of health, I, I, I gained gain some weight now to i'm to the point where hey i want to go out and work out oh but it hurts it doesn't feel good to work out it's this weird cycle yeah. uh where i want to be healthier but it's really really hard to do it hurts it doesn't feel good to to get healthy right. any, any thoughts on that <laughs> well if i had all the answers then i'd be a richer <laughs> man than i am but uh yeah, yeah no i mean i mean i think that's something really to be to be cognizant of, and and I think I think part of the problem you have to remember is it, it takes you about as long to get out of a situation as it took you to get into a situation, right? So mm-hmm. and that's so so if you're if you're on a decline for a while, you gotta you gotta allow that decline to turn around and come back out without mm-hmm. forcing it too much, or else you're gonna end up hurting yourself. And, yeah, and that makes and it get worse. too frustrated, right? So yeah. so be a little patient with yourself. In, but what's really surprising is the data that shows that even just a little bit of change makes a big difference in your hmm. overall health. You know, they they did one study where they they put motion monitors on on these eighty uh, year old housewives, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so they could tell it was just on their arms. So if they're moving their arms, doing laundry, dishes, whatever, know, yeah. gardening, what just a little bit of motion versus just doing nothing sitting there on the couch and just even even just 20 or 30 minutes a day of just moving just doing your normal activities of uh, had a big improvement on their uh, on their on their mood and on uh, their like diabetes level and heart disease and stuff like that so so i i i think 
I think we need to give ourselves a little more. You know, we we see the marathon runners of the world, and we think that's where we need to yeah. be, and Man, and that yeah. and that's just not the reality for most of us. And in fact, there's pretty good data that they're doing more damage the other way, right? It's yeah. it's in that moderate realm where we always uh, get the most benefit, and you know, thirty minutes a day, every day is is what's going to do the best. So I would be a little more. Um, uh, kind to yourself and say, I'm, I'm doing the best I can and I'm, yeah. I'm cognizant of, and I'm trying to do, you know, what I can. So I was reading a thing the other day and maybe this is accurate, maybe not. You can comment on that, but it said that most of us wear these little Apple watches or, or we carry the phone around in our pocket and it counts the number of steps we take. Uh, and the, the article said, basically they did a study and they said that after about 7,000 steps, there's, you really don't, I mean, I mean, that's it. That's enough. You, yeah. you don't, there are people who put, I got to get 12,000 in today. I got whatever. I'm going to go for a walk because I haven't got, and, and they said, really, after about 7,000 or so, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. And they tried to figure out where the 10,000 came from. And, and it turned out that the first guy that made a pedometer, that was as high as it would go. And so they said, <laughs> I'm, I'm going mean, to max nine, it out. Nine, yeah. <laughs> Certainly not a problem to go more, but, right. but I, but I do, I see people, they say, ah, I'm never going to make 10. And so they don't even do seven, right? Or six or oh, five yeah. or whatever, right? I mean, it's, it's the idea is moving, getting out, doing what you can to, to be more active than you have been. <clears throat> I have to say, given that, that I just did the weather a few minutes ago, this is the perfect week to do that. Yeah. Go get out and be active. We're going to be mid sixties all week and then maybe close to 70 by the weekend. Uh, you know, hit a, hit, hit a, a trail, uh, go out and play pickleball, do whatever it is makes you feel good outside. But, uh, yeah, and, and I'll take Dr. Blodgett's advice and try not, not, not to get down because I can't do what I used to right. do. Yeah, do what you can. And, and it, well, but it doesn't count to put it on your dog and let it run around the neighborhood, right? So, because <laughs> I've seen, seen people that just see, look, I, I got, got 10,000 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, don't put it on the dog. Now, if you're walking the dog, you can put it on your hand and walk that's the right. dog and, and that'll, that's that'll right. help. They, that's why pets are healthy, right? They, get, they, they give you an impetus to get out and do something else. Uh, we, we were talking a little bit a, a little while ago about celiac and, and, and the gluten problem. Um, one of the things that happens, a lot of people, they get it in their mind that they're allergic to something, but they're not necessarily really allergic. Maybe it's a little bit tough on, on their stomach. I guess dairy products is the one that really jumped out yeah. in, in my mind. Now, I, I knew someone in, in my past, used to live by this lady, and she got really, really sick, and they couldn't figure out why. And she's, you know, she was old. She was in her probably 50s. Uh, when they figured out that she had a, a, a dairy allergy, she cut dairy out, she got better. That's different than what we're talking about where people go, ah, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's <laughs> there's a whole range here, right? There's there's people that have an anaphylactic response to sure. peanuts, you know, all the way to... Oh, that's a big one, yeah. Maybe you, maybe you just, just, it doesn't make you feel good, right? And I yeah. think all of that kind of comes from paying attention to your body and... and and really isolating out the things that have an impact on you, um, I, and, and and I think that gives you tools to help manage it too, right? So if you have an anaphylactic response or celiac disease or something like that, where it really is a health consequence for eating something, that uh, that gives you a, a guidepost to use. Versus if it just makes you feel a little worse, then maybe there's some situations where. Yeah, I'm going to eat some peanuts because, you know, yeah. that's all I have available. I'm going to eat something, right? So yeah. that so I there isn't one size fits all on some of this stuff. It's really a matter of what uh 
what works for you. And, and then there's, then there's these difficulties we have with, with the way things are labeled. So, so when something says it's gluten free, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that it has no gluten. in Oh, really? Yeah. It means that it's lower amounts of gluten. So, mm. so I think they'll, in, in some countries they'll allow up to 20 milligrams of, of gluten. Um, Which is and, enough to and make still call really it gluten free. And some people yeah. don't, you know, that that's not good for them. I, it really pays to to be aware of of what something does to you. I, and and sometimes it's you know sometimes if you eat something else with that, then you don't have that response. But if hmm. you don't, I mean, it's everybody's so unique. But I find a lot of people wanting to to have what they have going on apply to everybody else, right? When you have the <laughs> hammer, then everything looks like a nail, and, and I, I that's just as inappropriate, right? Because you can end up having people in a place where they don't need to be and they're not really figuring out what it is that's going on with them. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Great statement. When you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. Uh, too much, too much truth, unfortunately, in that kind of statement. We're down to uh, our final minute. Uh, just, just final word on, on COVID uh, just to let people know uh, Omicron was much less deadly and it is uh, on the way down. Yeah. Right. Seeing a dramatic fall in the number of cases. Will we hit zero? No, I think we'll always have cases of COVID around. But, um, but I, you know, we're we're into that mode where we're going to say this is this is the reality. There is always going to be some COVID, and uh, and mm-hmm. we have to learn how to live with it. And that that's similar to how we've learned how to live with flu and everything else. Is we we uh, we do what we can and then move on with life. The irony is that's maybe how it should have been all along. Hmm? Yeah. Well, but let's not say that because that gets us in trouble. <laughs> well, I said it. Not, I said it, not Dr. Blodgett. So <laughs> don't want to get him in trouble. Uh, I did have uh, yesterday, uh, not yesterday, Saturday, I was out in a couple of different public places doing some things. No masks. Nobody even mentioned COVID. Nobody talked about COVID. There was no, it was, it was kind of refreshing, yeah. to be quite honest. It was like real normal life again. Yeah, and it's nice to live in a place where... Where I think we have started that process to get back to normal. SWUHealth.org is the website. He's the director of the Southwest Utah Public Health Department. Thank you, Dave, for coming in today. It's great to be here. Thanks again, Andy.